greater than the saintly Rabbi Yisroel, the famed Ruzinard Sadiq, Rabbi Yisroel Friedman, was born in the year 1796 in Sedborsk, near Kiev, the capital of the Ukraine province. His father Rabbi Shalom Shakni was a son of Rabbi Avraham known as the Malak, Angel, the son of the Mezritcher Magid, Rabbi Dov Burr, successor to the Baal Shem Tov. In 1838, Rabbi Yisroel was denounced as a rebel against the Tsar, and was imprisoned in Kiev and, later, in Kamenets Podolsk, for almost two years. Greater than. Greater than when he was temporarily released on Shushan Purim 1840, he managed to escape Russia. He eventually settled in the town of Sadigora, Austria, continuing his leadership of his followers until his passing in 1850. In those days, some 150 years ago, the Hasidic movement in general, and the Hasidic Rebs in particular, had many opponents, among whom there were some who did not hesitate to bring all kinds of damaging accusations against them to the Russian government. Tsar Nicholas I, the terrible, was then in power. Nicholas issued various oppressive measures against the Jews, including the cruel decree that very young Jewish boys should be forcibly taken from their parents and recruited into the Russian army for 25 years. It was his intention that in this way the Jewish children would be alienated from their Jewish faith and be converted. However, most of the boys heroically resisted all efforts to force them to abandon the Jewish faith. These were the famous so-called canonists. Like all despotic rulers, he could not tolerate the slightest criticism against his regime, and certainly would immediately suppress any attempt at rebellion. Under these circumstances it is no wonder that when an accusation reached him of any Hasidic Rebbe talking against the Tsar, he took it very seriously indeed. And so, one day when a report reached him that the Ruziner Rebbe conducted himself like a self-appointed king and that he did not recognize the authority of the Tsar and, in fact, held him in contempt, the Tsar ordered an immediate investigation into these charges. It was then decided to send a secret agent to Ruzin to see if the charges were true. One of the high-ranking advisors in the royal court was a certain renegade Jew, who readily agreed to act as a spy. He took on the role of a rich Jewish merchant, and came to Ruzin, supposedly, to spend Shabbat at the court of the famous Sadiq, and to ask him for a blessing to be successful in his extensive business dealings. When he arrived at the Beth Medrash, synagogue and house of study, he played the role of a rich merchant and treated everyone to drinks and refreshments acting like the friendly and generous host. When everyone had a number of drinks and toasts of Lahaim, he began to talk about his business ventures which were being hampered by the troublesome government regulations, aimed mainly at Jewish businessmen and he declared vehemently that the Tsar was surely behind these cruel decrees. He looked around expectantly, waiting to hear some of his listeners agree with him. But there was silence, not a sound, not a word. The undercover agent repeated his performance the following day and also the next day. However, no sooner had he started to talk about the Tsar and his government, than the gathered Shasijm fell silent. All his efforts to get them to say something were in vain, the Shasijm simply refused the bait and remained silent. Meanwhile, the Gabai had arranged for this rich merchant to have a private audience with the saintly Rebbe. When he entered the Reba's study, the Ruziner asked his visitor what was the purpose of his visit and what was his problem. The rich merchant then began to tell his sad story, he had big business ventures and was being unfairly taxed by the Tsar's government, just because he was a Jew. Also, he was constantly restricted as to where he may go and where he may not, and so forth. In fact, it was becoming almost impossible to continue his business with any hope of success. Now, therefore, if the saintly Rebbe would only pray for the Tsar's downfall so that there should be a new king who would deal kindly with the Jews, it would solve all problems. Giving the visitor a penetrating look, the Ruziner Rebbe replied, Listen, and I will tell you a story. And the Rebbe proceeded to tell the following story. In a small, distant village, there once lived a Jewish innkeeper who had an only son. When the boy was old enough, 
the father arranged for a melamed, tutor, to come and teach his son to read from the sitter, and to learn Chumash and other things that a Jewish boy should know. The innkeeper's family was the only Jewish family in the village, so that the boy had no Jewish friends to play with. As the innkeeper had a handyman who had a son the same age as his, the two boys naturally became playmates. Thus it was that when the tutor came to give his lessons, the non-Jewish boy, let's call him Stefan, used to wander in and sit down and listen to the lessons. Stefan showed real interest in the lessons and, in fact, absorbed them even quicker than the innkeeper's son. When the boys grew up, it was time to think of a shidu, match, for the Jewish boy. Along came a shotgun, matchmaker, to interview him and see what kind of a young man he was and what kind of a Torah scholar he was. As usual, Stefan was there with his Jewish friend and remained present during the interview. When the shotgun asked the Jewish boy various questions, Stefan was quicker with the answers, putting his Jewish friend in a poor light. The shotgun decided that the young lady he had in mind could do better by looking elsewhere for a husband. When the innkeeper saw what was happening, he decided he had better do something to separate his son from his non-Jewish friend. He saw no other way but to discharge his handyman and ask him to leave together with his bright son. The handyman protested that it was not fair and there was no reason for him to be sent away just because his son was such a liability. He said that his son was old enough to go off on his own. To this the innkeeper agreed. And so, the handyman lost no time in sending his son away in search of his fortune. The smart boy that he was, Stefan first pretended to be a Jewish boy and orphan, knowing that kind Jews would befriend him. Whenever he came to a town, he would go into the Beth Medrash, pick up a sefer, book, and start studying it. Sure enough Jews invited the poor orphan to a meal and a lodging for the night. After some time, Stefan became impatient at the role he was playing and decided he could do better than that. He went to a large city and enrolled in the university, where he studied languages and science. After completing his courses he again began to travel from town to town in search of his fortune. One day, he reached a large city, where he found much commotion. It happened that for the past few days there were loud public proclamations, inviting all strangers to present themselves at the palace, where a new king was to be chosen. Stefan found out that it was the custom of this city to choose a new king every three years and he had to be a stranger. The idea was, that such a king would have no favorites among the inhabitants and would rule with equal justice for all. Thus, there was a contest for the most suitable candidate once every three years and now was the time to select a new king. Hearing this Stefan hurried off to the palace and presented himself as a candidate. He passed all the tests successfully beating all other candidates, and so, he was crowned as the new king. It did not take long before the new ruler began to issue severe decrees against the Jews, and finally came the hardest blow, a royal decree that all Jews must leave the kingdom within the next twelve months. The chief rabbi then proclaimed a fast and ordered that all Jews should pray to G.D. to soften the king's cruel heart. For three days the Jews fasted and prayed. On the fourth day, the chief rabbi sent for the seven leading members of the Jewish community and told them that it had been revealed to him in a dream that in a certain village, in a distant land, there was a young innkeeper who would be the one who could influence the king to annul his decree. To everyone's astonishment, it so happened that each member had the very same dream. Two messengers were then dispatched to bring the young innkeeper back with them. When the messengers finally reached the village and found the young innkeeper, several months had already gone by. The young innkeeper was bewildered by the request of the messengers. He protested that he had never heard of the king, or his land, and could not possibly imagine how he, a poor humble innkeeper, could influence this powerful and cruel ruler. However, as the messengers seemed so desperate, the innkeeper readily agreed to go back with them. The messengers returned with the innkeeper just a short time before the twelve-months limit had ended, whereupon, the Jewish leaders prevailed upon the king to grant an interview to a Jewish delegation.
At the appointed time, the Jewish delegation, including the young innkeeper, appeared before the king. When the king laid eyes on the young innkeeper, his face lit up and he came forward to greet him with a warm friendly embrace. Don't you recognize me, Yassel? I am your old friend Stefan. Because of you I was driven from your house when I spoiled your chances of finding a bride. Remember? And the king broke into a loud chuckle. But, he added, I am certainly grateful to you, Yassel, for, see what it all led me to. So, what can I do for you now in return? Yassel asked the king to rescind his decree and permit the Jews to remain in his kingdom. Believe me, my friend, said the king, I have nothing against Jews. On the contrary, I shall always remember gratefully how your father and you treated me and how all the Jews I met fed me and cared for me in my time of need. I know that Jews are good, honest people, and serve their country well. But what can I do when I suddenly get an urge to persecute them, I don't know why. Yassel was not able to explain it to the king, but the rabbi who led the delegation, knew the answer. Your Majesty, our Torah teaches us that the heart of kings and princes is in the hand of G.D. When Jews faithfully keep the Torah and mitzvot, they are treated kindly, when they neglect the Torah and mitzvot, G.D. hardens the heart of their king. Jews always realize that whether they fare well or badly, it is entirely up to them, and they never pray for a new king, because there is no certainty that the new king will be any better. Having concluded his story, the Ruziner looked straight into the eyes of his visitor and said to him, Go and tell those who have sent you here that all accusations against Jews of being unfaithful to the king are false. Jews are always loyal citizens and pray for the welfare of the rulers and of the country in which they live. As seen on Chabad.org and slightly adapted, originally from Talks and Tales, Gallery of the Great by Nisan Mindel. Rabbi Yisrael Friedman of Ruzin, born, 3rd of Tishrei 5557, 1796, died, 3rd of Heshvan 5611, 1850. Known as the Heiliger Ruziner, the Holy One of Ruzin, he was considered royalty in the Hasidic movement, as his Hasidic court was extremely opulent, all for the sake of heaven. His paternal grandfather was none other than Rabbi Avraham the Malach, the angel, as he was called, son of the Megid of Metzarich. He was orphaned at the young age of six years old from his holy father Reb Shalom Shachna. He was a holy child from birth and his father instilled in him the love and awe of God from an early age. He was known far and wide for his penetrating insight, sanctity, and inspiration.